Hi friends, thanks for joining me in this episode of the Free Rider Audio Course. I'm your host and coach, Brenda Robson, licensed and certified with Equestrian Canada. I'm excited to share with you my education and encourage you in your horsemanship journey. So let's get started. Each of these learning episodes in the Rider Level program will follow the same pattern. So you will hear uh, practical techniques described and then an explanation step-by-step how to execute them. There will be some psychology about training for willing cooperation in each technique. And then I'll give you tips to practice so that you can um, execute the techniques with excellence. The practical technique that I'm going to talk about today is bridling. And there's two methods recommended in Rider Level 1 for bridling. The first one is described as holding the crown piece between the ears. And the second one is described as holding both cheek pieces over the bridge of the nose. I will describe the explanation by numbered steps, but if that's not preferred to you listeners, let me know in a review and I'll adapt my style. So step number one, I stand beside the horse on its left side, holding the top of the bridle, the crown piece in my right hand. Step two, I lift the bridle in front of the horse's face and I lay my forearm between the ears. I like this because it encourages the horse to lower its head, making bridling easier for me and the bridle is not laying on the horse's face. Step three, I support the weight of the bit with my left hand and its fingertips and I guide that to the horse's mouth, trying to get it just between the lips. I do not want it touching the teeth. Usually when a horse feels the bit between its its lips, its mouth will open. Step four, I raise the bit into the mouth by raising my right hand. I do not push the bit into the mouth with my left hand. Once the bit is in the mouth, then my left hand is free to come up to the left ear, tip it forward from the base, and slide the tip of the ear under the crown piece that my right hand is holding. Once the first ear is under the crown piece, then my left hand reaches across and lifts the cheek pieces away from the eye on the far side, and now my right hand is free to tip the right ear from the base so that the tip slips un- easily under the crown piece. Now both ears are have the crown piece behind them and the bridle is on. Now I simply check for comfort by making sure that um, the forelock hair and the main hair are smooth or um, not bunched up under the crown piece and I check to make sure that the bit is in the correct position in the mouth. You may have to adjust bit height and there's a buckle on the side. Sometimes it's recommended to actually let the cheek pieces be one hole longer and that makes uh, more room for you to bridle the horse and get the cheek pieces around the eyes without dragging them across. And now's a good time to adjust that height again back to the usable position. When bridling and unbridling, the person needs to have some way still to control the horse in that space. And so my particular method is to put the lead rope over my right arm and unbuckle the halter at the top of the neck. 
keeping the crown piece behind the ears, the crown piece of the halter I'm saying now, take your left hand and slip the nose piece off the horse's muzzle and then bring it under the horse's head and partially rebuckle it. Now if the horse moves, you've got some control by the halter around the neck. And now the head is free to place the bridle and to remove the bridle. Now we will talk about the unbridling because this is as important a procedure as getting the bridle on. Horses create uh, behaviors to avoid uncomfortable situations. Often, once that crown piece comes off the ears, the horse will elevate its head to get the bit out of its mouth, and um, that creates clanging on the teeth, and it's just not a des desirable or comfortable way to be unbridled. So just as with bridling, I'll go step by step, and you'll notice that the procedure is bridling in reverse. Step one, I'm standing beside the horse on its left side. I take a hold of the crown piece, with my right hand and I lay my forearm on the top of the neck. Once again, this encourages the horse to lower his head towards me to make the procedure easier. My left hand will be placed in front of the mouth so that I can catch and guide the bit when it emerges. Step number three is my right hand pushes the bridle um, crown piece over the left ear first so that the left ear lays forward until the tip is free. Then my right hand pushes the bridle crown piece over the right ear forward until the tip is free. Here I'm in a position, step number four, where the bridle is held in my right hand in front of the horse's face with my forearm between the ears. Then I lower the bit out of the mouth into my waiting left hand, step number five. Once the bit is out of the mouth, now I bring the bridle around the horse's uh, left side and hang it on my left arm. At this point, my horse is still controlled because the halter is on the neck and the lead rope is on my right arm. I have two hands free, the bridle is hanging on my left arm. Now I unbuckle the halter keeping the crown piece behind the horse's ears, and I scoop the nose with my left hand and rebuckle the halter. Ta-da! <laughs> it's a lot to describe, and it's a lot more to actually practice this procedure until it's easy and that the horse willingly cooperates. All right, let's talk now about the psychology of getting willing cooperation. In order to get willing cooperation from my horse in the bridling and unbridling procedure, I first have to teach it how to yield its head and neck to soft pressure. So to do that, I slide my hand up the mane and stop just behind the ears at the top of the neck. At this point, I'll apply some incrementally increasing pressure until the horse lowers its head. And when it does, I slide my hand back down the neck. I'll repeat this procedure until that horse responds to 
the slightest hair pressure at the top of the neck. What I never do is just reach up to the top of the neck and give pressure. I want that horse to feel the pressure coming um, without any kind of intimidation just by sliding my hand up the mane. And I also do it by reaching across the mane and rubbing my hand up the side of the neck until I get to the top, using the same kind of incremental pressures until the horse flexes its head towards me. With that kind of preparation, you're going to set your horse up so that it feels relaxed and trusting and confident, even though it knows bridling is coming its way. Because one, you've taught it to stand in a posture of relaxation for the procedure. And two, you've become very proficient at guiding that bridle onto the horse's head without causing it discomfort against the teeth with the bit or by dragging the cheek pieces across the eyes. Now I want to give you a tip on what you can do to practice bridling every day. Oh my gosh, not bridling every day. Well, no, you, you can practice bridling by haltering well. Doing the little things with excellence is what builds a great foundation. So think about changing your haltering procedure by uh, unbuckling the crown piece of your halter. Ask your horse to flex and lower its head Bring the crown piece over the top, scoop the nose with your left hand um, and the halter, and then rebuckle it. If you do that procedure just in your daily turnout or getting it um, haltered for leading, anything that you're going to do with your horse, you're probably going to put the halter on anyways, so why don't you do it like you're bridling? Every episode will include a theory segment based on the information in the rider level we're covering. And if possible, I will try and use complementary theory for the practical technique that we are covering. Today, the theory will be on a properly fitted halter. The most important part of the halter for me is the diameter of the nose band. So, you can simply measure around your horse's face where the approximate location of the nose band will be placed. And then when you buy your halter, check it by placing two fingers vertically under the nose band on top of the bridge of the nose. If it's comfortable for your fingers, I'm sure it's a good fit. Not too tight, not too loose, just right. To adjust the height of the nose band on the face, you want to um, tighten or loosen the crown piece buckle. That's pretty obvious, but the important thing to notice about height of the noseband is that it sits at least two finger widths below the cheekbones on both sides of the horse. I have seen um, halter nosebands so tight that the horse can't graze and too tight in height that the hardware uh, made bloody spots on the front of both cheekbones. So both situations were um, maybe well intended to put the halter on securely, but uh, I didn't check and it was really on me to make sure that halters fit properly and students knew how to do it.
segment, I'm going to talk about the rules for tying your horse. And there's five of them. We'll begin with the, number one, tie using a quick release knot. The one in the diagram of the manual begins with slipping the end of your lead rope through the tie ring. And I like that because when you undo the knot, you have a little bit of um, leverage and drag on the rope if the horse is pan panicking and pulling back. And often that will diffuse that pullback behavior. Number two, tie short, 12 to 18 inches. That's about the length of your forearm and your fingers. And that they're talking about from the knot to the clip on the halter. Tie it with her height. They make this point so that you know never to have your uh, rope on your lead when the horse is tied so low that the horse can get its leg over it. Number four, tie to a solid secure object. It's um, important that the horse when it pulls back feels some resistance and can't pull something off the wall like a two by four or a fence rail. One time I saw a horse tied to a tree and she pulled that tree right out of the ground. Number five, use a halter snap and lead for tying your horse. I think that's in there to deter you from tying your horse when it's wearing the bridle and using the reins as your tie. Because one of the purposes of these episodes is to help people be prepared adequately to pass a rider test if they want to do it, I'm going to pull out a couple of questions from the theory today that an examiner might ask at a testing. Question number one is, what is the halter's only purpose? The answer, to secure a horse when tied or handled. Seems obvious, but sometimes in a test situation, you can be thinking or overthinking that kind of an answer. Why must we use a halter snap and shank that's strong and in good repair? The answer, because once a horse learns to free by pulling back and breaking free, it's a difficult task to break him of the habit. Why would a horse be tied short and high? To ensure that he does not step over the shank and become entangled in it. What is the purpose for tying with a quick release knot? The answer, to ensure that it can be undone quickly if the need arises. Thanks again, friends, for spending time with me today in this episode of the Free Rider Audio Course. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review telling me what you think. Visit my website www.winhurst.ca for short videos on the topics covered. Until next time, enjoy your horse and stay safe.